Hello everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of the Bar Institute, St. Louis Hockey, Filmmaking, and Bar Managing. Today's guest is the amazingly brilliant, intelligent, multi-faceted, versatile Justin Cardwell of BC's Kitchen, St. Louis, Missouri. I always like talking about the Midwest, lots of good food out of the Midwest, lots of good bands out of the Midwest, and Justin has had an interesting career both in hospitality and outside doing computer science. He likes editing, even could have been a director, we don't know exactly what happened and when he'll make his next project, but it was great sitting down during the Bar Institute here in Austin, Texas and getting a chance to chat with Justin Cardwell. Is it cool? Yeah, get feeling a little like, oh, am I still not fully sober for this night? <laughs> Either it's haunted or it's disco or it's haunted disco, and which I hear happens. It could be a party. Like a little bit of all of it, right? Yeah. So how did your class go? It was with Mike and Jess yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah the Mike building a bar class? Uh, yeah. So essentially, yeah, concept. Uh, yeah. Concept versus program. How was that? Fantastic. Good. Uh, the crowd pretty responsive for 10 a.m.? Yeah, especially for 10 a.m. I, I was a little worried that we would... Um, we get them hung over from holiday. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and they ended up they ended up being really responsive, yeah. uh, really on point, asking great questions. That's awesome. Um, really interested in kind of building out, figuring out what kind of program they worked in, and then how they can build that into concepts for the future. That's amazing. So, yeah. Is this the first bar institute that you've partaked or partooked in? Uh, no, I actually ran their transportation department in Portland for no the cocktail week for two years. Oh, amazing. Which, uh, 2013 by chance? Uh, 14 and 15. Oh, okay. And then I was uh, an attendee in 13. Yeah, that was, in, uh, that was the only year I went, but it was brilliant. Yeah. Speaking of, you talk about good stories with Justin Lavenue. <laughs> Shared a room with him. <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> yes. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, I'll be uh, waiting in suspense to hear about that. But I, you know, when I, when I interviewed him, like we didn't touch into that too much. Probably right? a probably a good thing. Yeah, he, he's got some mystique to in terms of the playboy that he is. Uh, yeah, you know? I, I just like him to get a sense of humor. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> it's totally good. Well, so you've been affiliated with Lush Life for a bit, and you are seemingly one of the the key voices in St. Louis, right, well, or in that that region, if you will. I hope to think so. Yeah, would. How is it like, right, socially, how is it in St. Louis? Is there a lot of great things going on in terms of uh, culinarily and such? Oh, yeah, it's it's a lot stronger than people think it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it, right. From afar, I'm like, eh, St. Louis, all right. Yeah, um, it's it's odd. Press just doesn't seem to take uh, a big liking to the Midwest, or at yeah. least other, outside of Chicago. Yeah. Um, it's kind of picked up in Nashville. It's picked up in, in smaller, smaller regions. But um, St. Louis... We actually had the Midwest James Beard Award winner last year. No shit. And yeah, and he, uh, we kind of figured, all right, well, he's going to bring some more press our way. Well, you would think, right? And it really never touched him. Yeah. Really? 
really never grew more than we thought kind of just the basics of covering him is it just a dead zone for the press in Um, a sense like a a radio silence that they just don't want to cover it or i have no idea i wish i could get a voice out of it um because we have two fantastic local um food specific papers um and yeah and actually one that was up for uh was up at tales last year for Mm -hmm. best writing um so they they do a great job of covering the local scene and some of the smaller parts of the midwestern and missouri scene but outside of that, there's not much touching on what's really being advanced. I think there's, I mean, there's obviously a big opportunity, but you being kind of this liaison for the scene and coming into Austin and talking about it, I hope that that increases the socialization of St. Louis. I, I'd, I'd like that. It'd be something, but I've been also been doing that for six and a half years now. So it's you fighting the good fight, just, I guess, Justin. Yeah, you can't keep trying to go through the fort, for, through the door first. So yeah. we'll see how it but works But business out. is good there. I imagine that the, the community is supportive of itself, right? Yeah, we're reaching an interesting point in the community. Um, <clears throat> we've had kind of about six and a half, seven years of the, the cocktail renaissance yeah. and the restaurant renaissance there. Um, so... Um, my family's been in the restaurant business for 32 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I grew up in this business and I'm, I'm a kitchen rat. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how I grew up. Uh, so what kind of, what, the, what was the, the concept or the, the label, the brand for, uh, it's, it's been our brand. Uh, so my father is the executive chef of all of our restaurants. That's and amazing. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was actually born in Kansas city and we moved over when I was real young to open this first restaurant mm-hmm. and I've just been living in those ever since. Um, what kind con- what, uh, what kind of food? Uh, so kind of he was one of the first to really go farm to table back in like 1988 wow. and uh, right before people were really getting into that idea of mm-hmm. lo- using local farmers, using local produce. Um, so we at that time went contemporary fine dining uh, with the Way first ahead restaurant. Of the curve in 88. Jesus, Way, yeah. yeah. With uh, so we were the fir- kind of the first ones in St. Louis um, and the first restaurant did great. Uh, unfortunately we had a partnership issue mm. uh, about 10 years later. Uh, so we sold our first restaurant to a former partner in 98. Right. Um, in the meantime, we opened a second restaurant that was meant to be our more casual fine dining, mm-hmm. which it started that way. And it kind of... Same premise of the farm to table? Same, yeah. Yeah, same style, same people, same produce, same stuff. Just yeah. let's offer a lower price point. Let's offer something a little more casual and right, acceptable. Right. Um, it, over that time, we opened that in 1994. So we're celebrating our 22nd anniversary this year in That's September. That's amazing. And it's gone completely the other way. It's gone completely fine dining and fine dining only. So really? it's yeah. Was t- that what the, the customers kind of, is that what they influenced it? Was it the chefs? Um, it gravitated that way. Um, a market necessitated that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, when you have restaurants these size, you just can't own your building. Right. So rents increased, product increased, prices increased. Thereby, it just, as we started moving that way, it just gravitated towards fine dining and higher price point unfortunately. yeah you're right out of out of necessity yeah financial necessity which is kind of a shame but yet i suppose if you're able to adapt and innovate when pressed against the wall financially then yeah, that is that's when the some of the best work comes through i mean 22 years it's been it's a level of weird amount of consistency i i still walk into these places weekly and look into things and yeah. go how are we still pulling off being as consistent as we are and it, truth be told, it's it's my father, it's the family, it's the group that we're we have a hand in every aspect of the business every mm-hmm. day. So, What's the, what is the spot called? Uh, so we own two. We own Carvels of the Plaza, and we opened BC's Kitchen in about eight years ago. Oh, very cool. And yeah, so BC's is our very casual, um, lower price point, mm-hmm. more bar friendly. Uh, so that's where we really focus on contemporary bar, building a really strong program there. Yeah. Really, really a great, quick, casual food, um, but still high quality. Yeah, it's amazing. So. Mm-hmm. 
was your father in the industry before he started in 88? I mean, he's yeah. always been the chef? Yeah, uh, yeah, he graduated from uh, CIA back oh, amazing. in okay. like 1972, I think. Wow. Was it a from a long line of chefs in his family? No, uh, no, first one outside of it. So really? yeah, okay. uh, my, my grandmother was a just a cook. They owned a farm in upstate Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just, he gravitated towards the kitchen with her. Yeah. And so after after high school, he moved on, went to uh, went to CIA, and that was before they actually moved to New York. New York they were Port- still they were still in Connecticut at that time. Oh, cool. oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So he was one of the last classes before they moved to New York. Wow. Uh, yeah. So then he he jumped around a little bit, and God, he's worked in Boston, he's worked in Maine, he worked in Switzerland, France, came back, wow. ran um, Gilbert Robinson's mm-hmm. company, which was the uh, original innovators of Bristol. Uh, seafood, oh, Houlihan's, wow. Madame Wong's. So he was a concept developer for them for almost six, seven years. So an incredibly rich resume in the industry. Yeah. So we had actually had hoped to bring him to Austin. Yeah. Uh, my have hope, you ever been? No. Uh, my hope was actually have him sit in and, t- and talk in the lecture about oh, that's amazing how the bar industry and how the restaurant industry has changed in 35 years. But he's behind. He's in the kitchen. I he's imagine. in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> he can't pull those guys away. No, he just he just like, won't he won't leave it. That's where you know you know uh, I don't know if you know David Surrow. <laughs> Um, but David Suro, mm-hmm. obviously amazing gentleman, one of the godfather to some. And he, I, t- I talked to him the other evening, and he's like, I, I've got to get back tequilas, Mike. i got to get back. And I'm like, <laughs> you're in town for one evening. It's okay. It'll still be there. But, like, they, it calls him back. It does. They, can't, they just can't walk away from it. After, for him, I think, over 20, 20 years as well yeah. in that, that Philadelphia establishment. So, But you are... Born and raised in St. Louis? No, born in Kansas City. Kansas City. Oh, yeah, that's so right. You guys still have, moved down. Yeah, still have a lot of family there, so it's still kind of my second home. But yeah. I spent most of my life in St. Louis. So, uh, yeah, and then going through the restaurants. What it, what kind of things were you getting into when you were? Or rather, how old were when you moved to St. Louis? I was only four. So, four. Oh, okay. So, my general, majority of your adulthood. Yeah, you're talking. What kinds of? Th- I imagine because mm. I think about food and I think, all right, what is someone that gets into food or comes from a family of food? What do they do besides working in the restaurant? Were you doing music? Were you academically scholarly? Uh, no, actually, I was, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, on the, See be- how I did that. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Uh, no, I, and I'm funny. I, I always love a good bell curve. I was, yeah. I was definitely an outlier and I won't say it was on the positive side. Um, <laughs> it was on either the left or the right, left or right. I won't, Somewhere. I'm not going to let people know which side it yeah. is, but, um, it's, yeah, I did you like school? Yeah, it was it was one of those things that it was a necessity. Yeah, uh, yeah I was not really one of the scholarly types. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really great. I love learning. I love being able to educate. Yeah. But um, it was one of those things. I, I can't grew up in the time where a lot of the public schools were starting to figure out how to teach people. Um, so gifted programs didn't exist. Right. Um, advanced so, programs didn't exist. Yeah. So if you've got it, they don't know how to let you use it yeah, yeah. Right. and if you have some sort of talent they don't want they're not sure how to use that um yeah. would you say you had a talent then are you suggesting you had a talent uh, i i mean i like to think i was a little bit more intelligent than they were giving me credit <laughs> for but um it was one of those things that my my parents actually decided when i was young that uh that they were going to try to push me in other get like gifted programs because they believed in that. Yeah. Um, the schools refused to test because they look at it and go, well, he's not an A student. So right. It's, like, it's only one parameter. To, to and that's it, right? true. It's just, it's just test scores. So um, actually, I, yeah, I started doing other things. I uh, actually was started playing hockey as a young mm. young age. Um, so I started playing hockey about eight. So they pushed me into sports. They pushed me into... Brett Hall, is that I right? Would, yeah. Thinking, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. So that was, that's what got me started. I yeah, loved amazing. watching the old Brett Hall and the Blues days. Yeah. Was it, uh, those, those are some good days. Yeah. 
So I kept kept playing hockey and kept trying to like as a child. They didn't want me in the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, their whole goal in life was to get to make myself. sure you didn't don't hang end out up in the restaurant. Don't end up like us. Really? That was their goal. They uh, do. That's weird with parents. They do that, right? Yeah. Like we were just talking to Tasty. So they go to a commune because their parents didn't like the way that their parents raised them. Yeah. Right. So like we're going to do the opposite. So no, you can't do what I did. But the thing is, like, you, it's just like a magnet. You push people away and they just come back. Yeah. And uh, they they kept doing that. They always said the same thing, like, all right, we don't care what you do. Yeah. Get in high school, and I, I went to a pretty progressive high school, trying, yeah. you know, they small school. We only graduated 52. Holy shit. All guys. Wow. Um, yes. You, were there girls in yeah. the city? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> uh, we had sister schools. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and going to, an, most people think of that, and they think, oh, all guys high school, and it, yeah. was, it was Catholic. So, um, but, man, they let you get away with a lot of stupid things as a kid. Yeah, uh, I hope. Yeah, so, and especially... Just kind of the freedom at that age to try to be an artist or be an actor or be work in sciences. Mm. Or they really pushed as a progressive high school t- towards trying to find a talent. That's great. Um, yeah. And so my parents always were like, "No, don't. You're not working in the you're business. You're not talented in food. Get out of here, Justin. We, yeah, <laughs> go go away. Do that. But uh, <laughs> no, I I explored the kitchens and I started uh, when I was 16. I started working in line. Oh man, um, yeah. So I but just that, was that the thing that you really flocked to then, or because you're doing hockey, which is, is good, obviously, yeah, keeping you built and all of that. But like when you talk about English, you talk about science. Were any of those things kind of pulling you in a direction either? Um, kind of. I mean, I'd, I'd hoped when I was a kid, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a professional hockey player. This is how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, it went away. Uh, played in college, but then Did it definitely really? yeah, it didn't go any farther after that. So I kind of went, okay, well, what do I really love doing? Well, I love cooking and. I always kind of gravitated toward kitchens. Yeah. Um, started working line when I was 16 and kind of working next to my dad. And uh, my mom hated it. Didn't want me in that business whatsoever. <laughs> did, you, did your dad care? Yeah. I mean, it, it was easy because we owned the business. So it was a great right. way for me to, it kept me out of trouble. And Sure. And you could, you guys could spend some quality time together. In its own, good. Yeah. yeah in, in, its, its own in its own way. Um, my mother was a restaurant manager for 15 years. Is that how she, they met? I was actually, yeah. Did he work for her or vice versa? Uh, she worked for him. Ah, yes. That's so the old, the old classic relationship. <laughs> um, yes. And then and they started a style. I mean, it, it's lovely. It's very romantic. And it, some it, people, lots of people meet that way. It's really lovely. It really is. Uh, yeah. And then nine months later, here you go. So, um, <laughs> Got another surprise in the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so started when I started cooking more and more, um, I really loved it and actually thought a lot about going to culinary school right out of uh, high school. But yeah. Um, uh, my parents decided to, at least my mother, really pushed me to say, okay, do something else. Um, right. Go someplace else and try your hand in any other way. Right. Just to see. Just to, just to make sure. Yes. That this yeah, is be, not a mistake. Just yeah. a de facto thing. Right? Yeah, go for it. So, so where did you end up going? So you're, you're still doing the hockey thing. Did you do ho- hockey scholarship or just went into Yeah, coach? actually, yeah. I found, uh, I found a small school. So I was really odd. I wanted so badly to... Uh, just to I'm a, just be near water. I wanted to oh, be near okay. an ocean. I yeah, wanted yeah. to go someplace. Because you're landlocked. And always, yeah. yeah. And uh, I always loved it. So I went to uh, a little school in St. Petersburg, Florida called Eckerd College. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. beautiful place, right? Like just yeah, the area. Oh, oh, yeah. Best uh, best vacation money I ever spent. Um, <laughs> How many semesters? Was <laughs> well, we won't get into that. Uh, it was like the five plus plan, I believe. Oh, good, um, good. Yeah, I did that. that was, yeah, was I good, think, good think we all made that choice. Yeah. Not a doctor yet, but maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> Some, they're just waiting on the paperwork. That's right. Um, <laughs> we yeah. So I, I left down there and 
decided, okay, well, I'm going to try my hand at, I love science. I'm going to try my hand at, at oceanography oh, and yeah. wow. marine biology. Yeah, I hit physics and decided that was not a good cause. So it's complicated. Yeah. So <laughs> a semester and a half in, I'm going. All right. Well, I need a new new idea. Yeah. Uh, just so I found out, uh, rolled into computer sciences and found out I had a weirdly analytical mind. So it was interesting to you. It was interesting. What, um, what year are we talking then? Like where were where were computers at? Uh, oh, so this was like 2002. Oh yeah. See, that's exactly when I was doing it. Yeah. Texas State. Different time. Like it was accessible. Like the app revolution so to speak yeah. hadn't yet happened no and uh we you know still facebook wasn't even a thing really right. yet uh um, just myspace and friendster i think yeah really yeah. really small i still a, a aol instant messenger hell yeah had a name yeah. name um yeah and it was like all right well they were still teaching c plus uh-huh. plus and actually the year i graduated they switched everyone to java i was like oh, oh thanks geez, all right bastards. so you just you just trained me for four years on something i'll never use <laughs> except for myself what is what, I can't remember what uh, all the iOS stuff is coded in, but but it's definitely not Java. No, so that they left with their dick in their hands too. Yeah, suckers. Uh, so yeah, I, I started on that, and then I uh, found I really loved art. Yeah, and so I got a small, I got a minor in art. Found I really liked arguing with Southern Bible Belt uh, students. <laughs> so I got to I I got a minor in religious studies just because I played devil's advocate for all the teachers. Yeah, and just, so they loved. The, having uh, me in the classes, the token cause, cause contrarian. I'm the, right? I'm the yeah. one that's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about the art thing for a moment. Sure. What drew you? What types of art, or what era were you really kind of drawn? Um, to? I, I loved history. I yeah. love the art history factor. Uh, I loved visual arts. Um, I worked a lot in in movies. I oh, worked really? a lot in video. What? What? In what capacity? Uh, doing a lot of uh, editing, doing a lot of directing. Really? Yeah. I, I loved getting behind the camera and, and spending time shooting and, and editing and spending time in those rooms. So we've got to talk about film then for a second, which right. is related to art, absolutely. Anything really influenced you cinematically? They're like, man, I, you saw it and you're like, okay, this is an aesthetic that really agrees with me. Um, yeah. Of course I would ask you that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard because as a, as a kid, I kind of go back and, I was always really drawn to to comedies. Yeah, I was always real, really drawn to uh, to satirical. So mm-hmm. things like Mel Brooks oh, and yeah. doing the old Elvis, uh, you know, uh, doing the old um, Abbott and Costellos and yeah, yeah, just Roland Hardy man. Yeah, just yeah. old, just the old stuff was one of my favorite things as a kid. And then as I kind of grew and started to, to watch stuff, um, Ingrid Bergman mm-hmm. and kind of just the, the Seven odd, Seal is still like one of the greatest things. Absolutely. Ever. Yeah, and uh, it's it's weird. I sat sat in on a class that was actually part of religious studies and it was all movies. And so it was star Wars to blade runner to seventh seal to, Oh gosh, I'm trying to go back and think it to I think memento. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. So you're all these great directors. You got Ridley Scott, you've got Christopher Nolan, you've got all these kind of contemporary, uh, artists yeah. that, um, are just great storytellers. Nolan is insanely good. Yeah. And, so and good. that's, that's kind of where I started to get into was, I love some of the cinematography that's being done, and I loved what they were doing, but I really loved the ability to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Were um, you writing scripts as well, or more visual stories? Uh, I, I was more visual. I just, I'm just not a writer. Yeah. I learned that at a young age. I've tried my hand a number of times, but... Just it's not working. No, it, it's not something that I get passionate about, mm-hmm. so it, it feels like a chore, and that's yeah. not where I like to no, be. No, and that's, like, how are you supposed to evoke passion and realistic characters when they're just a fucking chore? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a great point. Like, that's why uh, Spielberg doesn't write a lot of stuff, I think. I don't think Nolan does. His brother does. His brother writes yeah, a lot. Yeah, but, he, but he's not the right. He can just tell the story on the page, and that's really 
yeah. really powerful thing. There are very few guys that were like that two, one, two force that could do both the writing and like Brian De Palma comes to mind because I'm a big Brian De Palma. Oh, kid, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> kind of watched like 10 Brian De Palma movies in the past two weeks. It's kind of retrospective. That's a lot of Brian De Palma all at once. And it's, it's like <laughs> he uses the same beautiful types of music. His aesthetic is firmly him. Yeah, I love that. It's that's the same thing with someone like Tarantino. Absolutely. You, you know when you're watching their films. and that's, that's, a, that's a remarkable gift to have. It really is. Do you think that people can do that with cocktails to kind of go oh, on a tangent a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, uh, that's something. Oh, so it was a funny story. I was judging a cocktail competition in 2013. Mm. And we brought out some, we brought out one local bar owner, a food writer, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the local chefs. And... So we sat down, we blind we blinded all three of the judges. Okay. We had ten competitors. It was for a Campari competition. Uh we send the cocktails back. Mm-hmm. I go back to catch pick up their score sheets and uh sit down with them. And the cocktail writer named every single drink whose it was because every one of them had a signature style. Hmm. And she just got she, I think she only got one wrong. And she had flip-flopped two people, and that's it. Wow. And, and looking at going, you've you've been around the city, you've tasted everybody, you know who we are. Yeah. And you've now figured out, okay, this person's more floral, this person is directly more astringent, this one's more more sour, sweet, mm-hmm. who, who, how their palate rolls. And that actually got me really caught up because I went, all right, well, do I have a style? Is there, am I been bar- th- have I been bartending imprint? like that? Yeah, interesting. Um, and, and I started to think about that same way with looking at film. Sometimes you see directors and they, they just, they run so many different gambits. Yeah. And I, I love Ridley Scott for that. Yeah. Like oh, he, going, doing, you almost can't tell his style. You can't. Yeah. And, like uh, the Martian, the Blade Runner. I can't. Yeah. So is it story driven? Is it, is it cinematography? Is yeah. it, is it all, uh, is it CG? What's, right, it, right. what's his effect? What's he really doing? And I started to come back to it and go, okay, how do I figure out my style? So here's, this is a good question. So did you, do you want to be a heavy-handed stylistic man mm-hmm. person rather whatever that leaves their imprint and people can tell or do you want to be a transparent transient across genres like Ridley Scott or Steven Spielberg yeah and I I went the latter yeah and I, I went back to the drawing board and went okay I started looking at my recipes mm-hmm. and I started looking at my how I wrote and I figured out okay well I really love sour floral mm-hmm it's just my palate. Yeah. Like um, it's just the cocktails I like. I love last words. I mm-hmm. love daiquiris. I love things that have uh, this this little bit of floral component, but this really heavy-handed acidic and a little bit of sweetness. Yeah. Um, I went back to those and I went, okay, I'm going to scrap all of those old recipes and we're starting fresh and we're going to go completely off book. Yeah. Um, so I went and started doing whole menus with nothing but boozy stirs. Really? And started doing then changing up and doing whole menus that were theme based so we do like a three amigos theme for like two months and just name <laughs> everything after a reference um i had no guapo i had no jefe had a <laughs> let's see we had a i shot the invisible man uh i said ki- i had a kiss me on the veranda oh that's good did that's you a, have a i wasted the water in the desert <laughs> i wish i wish uh we had a lot of fun little that's clips amazing, and it, yeah. it was good for the bar team to to be around that but uh none of them were the same yeah they were all something a little different and reinventing it, yourself every time almost. It feels it, like. And I had to try to do that and I probably haven't succeeded in any manner. Uh, I'm still probably <laughs> floral and acidic, but yeah. um, at least you're trying. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to figure out that style and I, I wanted it to be something where I could 
go into someone else's bar mm. and see and get a feel for what they're accomplishing and how they're doing it mm. and then kind of read their style and see if I can mimic it. Um, and just for the factor of, okay, let me see how they're all trying to do this. And then can I grow and can I educate myself in the process? Cause mm. in St. Louis, we really didn't have anyone leading the forefront. Right. Um, on just how, a lot of uh, decentralized minds doing good work. Right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people just calling and going, okay, how'd you do that? Okay, you make orzat, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. You made you made a clarified milk punch. Okay, what'd you do? Yeah. Teach me. And we, we started all kind of as a community teaching each other. Uh, and I think we've come up with some really beautiful stuff. Yeah. But And kind of odd segue into it, but like, as you were asking before, what's the scene like in St. Louis? Mm. It's It's interesting. I think around the country, we're seeing a lot of these things. We're seeing people who are second, third, fourth, fifth generations of bar staffs yeah trying to take over programs trying to put their own individual stamp on things but we're only roughly a decade in that's not a lot of time to apprentice it's not a lot of time to work in a, in a concept right. and get get things understand and there's not enough time to master anything yet. it really isn't yeah. uh yeah every one of us after this will be my 11th year behind the bar and i uh i'm still each day trying to figure out something new, trying to play with something different mm-hmm. and every day kind of breaking something down and going, okay, I did that wrong. Looking back through recipes I wrote seven, eight years ago and went, oh God, I was the terrible. person then. Though. Oh, just a completely different character yeah. and just the growth. So I, I love that. Though. I love that, that journey creatively, right? Where you start out at this particular spot. And then, of course, as your career changes. So I like, I'm going to talk about the Palm again, just for example, right? Like, so Scarface is a turning moment for him because mm-hmm. it, it, everybody hates it. Fucking hate that movie, right? At the time. But then video comes about and then it has its own vision, its own kind of momentum. But like everything before that, clearly De Palma. But he changes and he probably would look back at Obsession or he'd look mm-hmm. back at Sisters and be like, eh, not really my thing. I'm more Carlito's way now. Yeah. Right? But that's the beauty of it is that it's all great for the snapshot that it is in the it's, time. And that's the beautiful thing. I, yeah. and I think cocktails do a lot of the same. They're snapshots in history, snapshots of yeah, who yeah. we were, who we are. Can't, and and how we're changing. Sometimes it's embarrassing, but sometimes it's so revealing to who oh, we were. I had some epic failures. Yeah. In the best way. It totally, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, I recorded that album? Oh, yeah. fuck. Like, what was I, who was I heartbroken about then? I was only, you know, I mean, mm. these kinds of things. It's, yeah. it's an amazing way that our lives punctuated. And honestly, to have a physical and this tangible result that does measure your life in little snapshots, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Not in, in a lot of industries, you don't get that kind of thing. You think about apps maybe, right? Like where you code something, but like you don't have anything tangible to show where you were in your life. True, but you're also selling at 99 cents an app, so it's probably it's worth a little something. (laughs) Yeah, all right, yeah, it's fair. I'd sell a thousand cocktails at at 99 cents really easily if I could just batch them out like that and send them out one one click. But that's uh, that's a good point. (laughs) But uh, someone's got to go in, they got to enjoy it. (laughs) Different model, which, which I guess then tying it back, you do this thing did you take filmmaking or cinematography, whichever mm-hmm. area, did you take that any further once you kind of uh, got into college more? No, I, I want to say I got out of college. I kind of tried my hand at a couple of things, yeah. uh, tried to get back into, did some freelance work in computer sciences, did mm-hmm. some, did some freelance video work, but it, I found it really difficult to break into. Were you still in Florida at this point? I was. Yeah. And I stayed there another year and a half. Um, I decided that I was just kind of, beaten in and i was kind of didn't want to didn't really want to be a starving artist all my life yeah and it, it was a really interesting time because you're you don't you think you're getting old but really you're, you're 22 23 you're not, you're not old, old at all yeah 
and you you know you have a lot of things in front of you, but you just have no idea what the route is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I intrinsically fell back into the restaurants. Yeah. And so I started cooking again, and I started to picking up bar shifts. But it wasn't because it was, as your mom feared, it wasn't because it was some kind of de facto default thing for you. That's where your heart called you back? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those, okay, I know how to do this. I do it well, mm. and I can be paid well for it. Yeah. Uh, never really thought about it being a career. Mm. I just needed I needed to make some money. And so I fell back into doing just bar shifts for a nightclub and making good money doing it, but mm-hmm. just getting destroyed on a service well every night. Right. It's just like quantity, quantity, quantity. Yeah. Right? And you just don't have any thought in the process. Uh, and then getting up and working from eight till four in the afternoon in a kitchen. Um, so moon, just moonlighting for sure. Yeah, just needed needed a chance to to make rent for yeah. a, for a little while. And uh, so while I've tried to figure out what the next step was, it just happened that after doing that for about a year and a half, uh, my family called and actually my mother called me and she never calls me and asks me to do anything. She's yeah. just not that kind of person. Right, right. Uh, and she called me and said, "Hey, your father's thinking of opening up another restaurant," and to kind of accentuate the point my parents aren't together so they divorced oh. when i was young oh how, how about uh, young? I was yeah so i mean i was about 12 and then my sister wow. was a little younger so I mean, it's kind of how we've always been but right. she never asked me to do anything did you i have to ask but like was it a split thing were you sometime with your mom sometime with your dad or did you stay with your mom uh, okay split time but, yeah, yeah yeah for at least a little while we had some ups and downs like most people I'm do sure, through yeah you know teenage years but yeah but she but they because of the business relationship they're still forced to be engaging and, yeah you know i mean I, I can't can you i think that would be really really tough you know they i figured out that as i got older they made better friends than they made lovers yeah, yeah so that makes sense then you know they're and, good i mean if they're good in business then it's good for the rest and, that, and that's how it is and yeah. I, it's not the first time i've seen a husband wife team that have split up and stayed oh, in business together yeah oh yeah yeah it's very common actually yeah so she she actually called me and said hey he's thinking about opening up another restaurant and and him and i had talked about the concept eight or nine months before mm. and I, I just kind of thought he was getting a little ahead of himself right over eager yeah, yeah. just that, that i was like all right well you've taught concepts before but uh when i came i, I came back over uh either thanksgiving or christmas i can't remember which and um he pulled out blueprints mm. and so we started to sit down and take a look at it and he asked if i would have any interest in being a part of the opening team so i gave it some thought and then my mother calls and says you know can you move back? Just give it a year. Just give it one year. Um, I, I just, I think he needs your hand. I Something. think he needs somebody who he can trust. Right. Um, because I'm afraid that he, uh, he had just actually had um, a, a hip replacement surgery at a very young age, oh, about, wow. uh, like at uh, 50. Wow. Okay. And so she's like, I don't, I don't know if he can do it physically. Needs some support. Can Yeah. So I, I said, all right, I'm not really committed to anything here in Florida. I Did, were you seeing anybody or anything? Is it, I, or is it easy to walk away? No, I was. I mean, I think everybody's kind of seen somebody sure, at some sure, point sure. at that time in your life. But, um, and it was, yeah, it was difficult. I had to leave a little bit there behind, but mm. I had completed that journey. It was, it was time to start trap the next chapter. Yeah. And so I moved back with the idea that I'll be there a year Mm. and we got the restaurant open in 2008. Uh, and And it was this BC's kitchen. BC's kitchen. Yeah. And, uh, it was one of the most tumultuous openings I've ever been through in my life. What was your capacity? Like what was the role? I guess I I came back and and started as bar and just hood over as bar manager. Got it. Uh, but we had, uh, we had a chef who was also GM. We had an Mm. assistant GM. We had three floor managers. We had a bar manager. Uh, which was myself. We had 
two floor captains and we were just we were so top heavy yeah and then in 2009 markets crash right and we look at it and go okay we just opened a business we haven't even paid back bank loans yet we're barely solvent as it is mm-hmm. how are we going to possibly last even two more years let right. alone this year without that staff overhead i mean it's insane, and, and then right? so so a lot of people unfortunately lost their jobs yeah um i was lucky in the fact that being family <laughs> you're born into uh, it <laughs> i was a little lower on the totem pole to cut off That's right, yeah. the rest of it but we had to figure out how to tighten the belt yeah and make it so that we could get through the time lean and just figure out what the business was going to be mm. what would you say food wise what you said it's like a more casual format of the other restaurant right. same kind of concept where it's locavore farmer farm to table but then having a very progressive and hopefully probably innovative bar program oh we didn't start that way no oh god no uh, actually <laughs> uh in my seminar i shamed myself by showing one of my opening menus oh really um, just felt like it was a it was a good time you can't take yourself too seriously in this no. business and, and you know what <clears throat> it's always funny if you take yourself too seriously people laugh at you that's the irony yeah so just laugh at yourself yeah. Right. So I showed one of my opening menus actually was from two thousand late two thousand nine, early two thousand ten. And we I mean, granted, yeah, we were trying interesting stuff because I wanted to I wanted to try interesting things. Yeah, and, of course. and luckily when you work with family, you get a little of a carte blanche to Absolutely. to mess up a little bit. Yeah. Uh so as long you, is, sorry, yeah, I bet we're going there. Was there a notable cocktail oh, that was that oh, you, you still like, oh that's a blemish, man. That's a blemish oh, on the man. record. Uh our first yeah, our first printed cocktail. Mm-hmm. We did an Arak punch. Okay, okay. And we did this kind of classic idea of a traditional punch. Okay. And we did this black tea infusion with uh, no juice, uh, just spices, a little, a little bit of sweetener, okay. um, just the holes of lime, so you got just the oils. Right. And then... Pataviar Rock, which is just rough. Yeah, dude, it's a, it's a bit uh, gritty. <laughs> people gritty. and people think you know you're sitting here sipping on mezcal, and they and they're like, oh, mezcal's it's just something like. Have you tried our rock? Because right. that's, that's just grittier than this is. Oh man, that just that just hits you. And and to think like you were just using stuff that's way earthy too. Yeah, you, I would think you have to punch in acidity and sweetness just to overcome the. Rock. And that's that's where we were. Yeah. And ironically, they. The food writers loved it. Why? Because it's different. Because it was different. Uh, and no one was trying it. No one was doing punch service at that time. And no one was trying to do large format. Yeah. So they loved it and they do it. But I look back and I taste that recipe again. And I'm like, this was an epic failure. <laughs> like, I would not let anyone put this on a menu now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny that people love things they can't understand because they can't understand it and they think it's good. Yeah. Like, that's all David Lynch's career. i think that's just how we sold ourselves yeah it's amazing though but i mean if it works at that time and place that's perfect you're talking to 2008 2009 so you're different now oh by far and i I still remember i always tell the story of my uh my father's always known the kitchen never knew the bar and i i left the kitchens not because i didn't love it but because i knew if i was going to do something for myself yeah i couldn't do the same steps he did and i was always going to be a shadow there was always going to be something to live up to beyond yeah myself uh so i moved when i moved over the bar it was my way of taking the kitchen and culinary creativity i'd learned and and really the art i loved Mm -hmm. and turning it into something 
that was my own. Yeah, like repurposing your core, like your talents, but a different way. Exactly. Yeah. And just found out I had a I had a gift for it. I had a knack to to put something on a glass, give it a funny name, and it would sell. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's what t- people are gonna swipe you up, man. You're gonna get these big uh big importers saying, Hey, can you develop a brand for us? I you know, I I can Unless only, that already happened. I can only hope, yeah. right? <laughs> you have money in that here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh they what's the old say? Don't wish for the things you don't want. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, I still remember there was this, this time that he, he looked at the menu or just getting ready to release a spring menu and he looked it down and he saw, I think it was a basil gimlet, mm-hmm. nothing too extravagant. And he looked at it and he goes, Hey, and my, my father's got this really interesting sense about him. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's just like, honey, 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 honey. And he, he likes to all of my staff mimic him in some way. He mm-hmm. just has these mannerisms that just, just flow. Uh, and so he he grabs my hand and he looks and he goes, here, here, honey, let me show you something. Let me show you. And he goes, you see this menu? This menu shit. So like, don't get so fucking esoteric with it. <laughs> All right. So do, do yourself a favor. Just make it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Don't fuck around with this. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I released the menu anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I put it out. Um, and I've always believed in the, uh, I want to ask for forgiveness, not for permission. That's a I'm the same way. So, uh, so we put it out and it did well. Mm. And I kind of got to come back to it. And I still, to this day, come back to him and I say, remember when he told me my shit was too esoteric? Well, I guess I'm doing all right. What did he say? Uh, he just laughs at it. Yeah. He, he he likes to admit or likes to think he didn't say it. Right. Um, every once in a while, he'll, I'll get him to admit it. But uh, <laughs> Only after a couple of bourbons. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little while. <laughs> What's a, you know, speaking of which, was were spirits any part of not your childhood necessarily, but young adulthood things? Did your dad like to drink certain things? Or yeah, I, so... <laughs> Funny story with that as we're sipping on Mezcal. Um, <laughs> so my father in 1994 mm-hmm. went to Oaxaca. Oh, what? 94? Yeah. He's 90, a pioneer. 94, actually with Rick Bayless before he opened Frontera. No shit. Yeah. So oh. it was Rick, uh, him, and two other chefs uh, that they went down to Oaxaca to mm-hmm. study traditional Yucatan-style cuisine. Amazing, yeah. So one of the things he also got to do was pull Mezcal right off the still from Mezcalero. Amazing. Brought it home in a water bottle because mm-hmm. obviously you weren't going to get it in there any other way. So here I am at the tender age of 10 and 11. Oh, man. Thinking that's water. <laughs> I still remember my first shot of Mezcal. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Did you feel like you're dying? Uh, I thought it was, I, I thought something had turned. I didn't know, I didn't know water could go bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> till I come in and find out that uh, that no, that was actually a liquor. Uh, Did, so with, was your dad like, oh yeah, take us some water? No, I was. Just, no one was in the house. Okay. I just opened. The, it was on the kitchen counter. I yeah. opened the bottle, poured it into a little glass, and then took a big swig. You feel it? You feel I, it yeah, that. Uh, I I wish I I wish I remembered the feeling. Um, unfortunately, I've lost that that bit of memory. Well, I mean, that's what it, I, I guess a tender tender age. That's what mezcal will do. I'm pretty sure that's what it was there for. Yeah, yeah. and and at that time, it wasn't refined mezcal. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we still have that bottle. Um, really? Yeah, it's gone yellow. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. Was it an ordinary? Okay. I mean, of course, I would ask all these dumb questions like, "Hey, you, ten year old Justin, did you know if it was a blah 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 blah?" blah. That's I, yeah. killer, though. That it, you know, that it's it's aged. It's kind of had its own life outside of that. yeah and yeah, so you guys um, still that's so cool though. still have that bottle wonderful artifact yeah and it's still only one shot drink yeah oh shit your dad didn't drink any of it nope didn't drink an why ounce why do you bring it. it back then just uh, as a kind of a memories yeah. souvenirs he, he's the kind of weird collector of things interesting yeah so he from travels and experiences he's got pla- plates 
um, odd menus still left over. Yeah. Um, things stacking up, but they're all memories of travels. That's and a, incredible. Yeah. Well, the, and a, food and drink is always a, a a root of all travel too, right? Like, I, I almost feel like my whole my whole life traveling is basically punctuated by what I ate and what I drank. I think about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I remember China. Remember when we went and got that those dumplings? <laughs> Right, like I remember when we got those cocktails behind this Coke machine that was like in a hidden bar. You know, like it's it's amazing. That's oh. how powerful food is. Oh yeah, actually, when him and I travel, it's uh, it's kind of like the old uh, Tolkien. We're gonna have breakfast, second mm-hmm. breakfast, yeah. Levensies, lunch. Yeah. I mean, it, we plan our day not around the sites. We plan around where we're eating and that drinking is, that day. I cannot agree more. Like yeah. our nights are always when my wife and I travel. It's like, all right, so you pick the sites during the day. I got dinner and drinks. Like that, just leave it to me. And then that's how to travel, man. Yeah, I love it. And uh, it's interesting. As he's gotten a little bit older, uh, it's we've we've definitely slowed down on how often we get to do it. But but there's a lot of great experiences of being able to kind of set yourself in a city and learn its food and wine and liquor culture. Yeah, and get an art for it. It's it's. You know, take it poetic for a moment. I've mentioned this a couple times, but so music you can consume kind of in any way that you want. And that's why vinyl and having to have that interpersonal relationship with a piece of vinyl, like mm-hmm. that's why that segment is increasing because people miss that, right? Because mu- music you can get wherever you want. It, yeah. TV, movies, you kind of get it wherever it's you want. It's independently personal. That's exactly right, right? And But drinks and food, you have to be there. You've got to see it. You've got to smell it. And you've got to taste it. There's no way to abbreviate that experience. So that's why like that's the last treasure. Yeah. Going in all these other places. That's the only way you still I feel well, maybe art galleries which I think is is good too you build this aesthetic. But a drink and talk about mezcal as we're sipping right now. That takes you directly to the community, to the culture. Yeah, it's technology it's a, gone. It's a, it's just a little piece of somebody's life yeah. put into a bottle. How do you feel about mezcal generally? Oh, speaking? I've I was really against it probably from my first experience. Yeah. Uh, but no, <laughs> as I've grown, I've, I've really come to love it. Unfortunately, the first thing that was in the market we ever tasted was uh, Del Maguey Vita. And it was, yeah. and it, I was like, oh, it's like a tire fire. And it's it's rough and it's it's odd cut and it's yeah. it's delicious. But it, it just wasn't usable for myself and the general public. Yeah. They, they just weren't ready to taste that sort of flavor. Um, and then as we started to see some of these more artisanal these more uh indigenous styles mm-hmm. and specific agaves and seeing terroir built into a bottle of spirit it's it's become this it's become something that i think more and more we're going to gravitate towards yeah. um to as it is taste a piece of land taste a piece of someone's life uh yeah. and just their their own individuality put into a bottle it is the perfect expression of somebody's palate their life, the way that they view things. Yeah. And how do you feel about this Vago Tepestate? Really nice. It's great, isn't it? So yeah. I get some, I mean, you know, you could intellectualize notes, but I get some, man, I get some chocolates. There's obviously some great sweetness at 52.2. I mean, that's... And you've got, you've got a little heat to it, but yeah. Yeah, but in, in the right way, is it? Yeah. Think. And you know, here's something, and, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with Vago, but Vago, I'm a huge fan of. And I've gotten to visit Ocalino, this particular Palenque. Mm-hmm. Tiore is the other gentleman. There's actually a third coming mm-hmm. into the line of Avago. But think about the two guys, okay? We talk about mescaleros and how their personalities come through, okay? So Ocalino, very, very soft-smoking, st- stoic, 
but yet strong and reliable, okay? Uses copper. So his spirits are very tight, well-formed, and they've, they're beautiful, but supple only in a subtle way, like not giving too much away, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you got Tio Ray, the other dude, the rogue uncle, mm-hmm. right? He chopped his toe off, apparently, in the fields and poured mescal on it and kept working, right? This is the kind of guy working with like two or three successive clay stills. You taste this stuff? It's like you're fucking hanging out with Keith Moon from the Who, the Who, right? Or Pete Town. Like it's rock and roll. It's rugged, and it is not refined, and it's not quiet. And that's brilliant. Just think about this personality. So Mescal is one of the few spirits that allows those guys to really have a stage. And it's it's people who have gotten the experience twenty years ago of Scotch. Yeah, and they've they keep going back to the same Scotch because speaks to them somehow right mezcals do the same thing yeah uh, they they speak to someone it's a story through a bottle that's right and you're getting the chance to as as you sip it get a feeling for a different place a different time a different person mm-hmm. uh and it, it does start to become that that immediate thing of this is mine this is my own yeah and this this is my style this is my scotch this is my mezcal absolutely place and time right now yeah so bar institute's wrapping up today we get some there's some parties tonight and all that and uh, i get to luckily speak here at 2 30 which would be nice and uh, hopefully had a responsive crowd like link you did yesterday morning at 10 what do you have left in austin uh luckily it's just time to enjoy it's time to see the town i've never been to and get to experience more of this that uh i keep hearing how wonderful it is and i I can't say how good of a time i've had in austin um partially because i remember only portions of it but um (laughs) the bad parts they're just stricken from the record no and it's every person i've ever met from austin uh whether they're transient or born and raised Mm -hmm. um i've never disliked yeah i've always gotten along with we're pretty good it's good people good people. <laughs> some of us are pretty good so you're heading back then probably what thursday no actually heading back tonight okay, so okay. yeah very very quick turnaround unfortunately again when you have a business it's just you, you can't can't tear yourself away too too much but i was really happy when they said that it was going to be a chance to come to austin yeah and, and talk and speak on what we know and love and see the people that they have here educating and do you like this this what i could, would consider a latin excuse me latent phase of your career which is like you've went down you've went to college you've done the academic piece you've went obviously worked in the restaurant you're saying 11 years or so for bc uh we just we just celebrated or we'll be celebrating our eighth in july yeah thank you so i mean that's a lot of time to put in so do you like this latent step where you get to talk and share and Uh, share the memories and all the lessons learned i do but there's a many there's there's many times and there's many voices in my head that say you're not you're not there yet. Right. You know, what does it take? You know, like how, how old do you have to be? How much experience do you have to have? And then, yeah, then I had, I kind of had to come back to it and say, all right, well, you've, you've been at it, but I started very young. Yeah. Uh, I jumped behind the bar and started a management role when I was only 23. Yeah. I mean, that's a good amount of experience. It is, but it also comes back to the factor of going, well, have I, done enough and you meet a lot of bartenders you meet a lot of bar managers you meet a lot of consultants that you know they maybe have worked on three four five six projects or you know talking to alex day and what Mm -hmm. they've done between death and co and all the other projects and you see all these and you talk to jack mcgarry from dead rabbit and you see all these guys 
and you go, wow, you've, you've just been killing it and I want to learn from you. And what part of you has to come back and say, wait, I have something to give to this table as well. Right. You're part of the narrative now. And that's, and that's tough to, to wrap your brain around and go. Too humble, I guess, huh? I don't know if it's humility or if it's just uh, a, a bit of also blind arrogance yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I almost like I go, no, nah, I don't know anything. I'm yeah. good. And just, uh, it's, it's some of those things that being in St. Louis and, and again, not having sometimes that media culture there yeah. uh, does put us at what I feel like a disadvantage for the community mm-hmm. uh, as well as myself. You you want to feel like you're a part of the country and you have something to the narrative. Yeah. But when you find that the country doesn't always join you in the narrative, it becomes difficult to, to ascertain. Yeah. Um, so it's taken a few years to kind of come around. I've done a lot of Lush Life's productions and being a part of bar institutes and doing Portland and doing run amok and cane camp and all these Amazing. different things that they've offered. And I honestly don't know where my life would be without them because they've given myself and many others like me a platform to talk about something we're passionate about yeah. uh, and just bring our individual knowledge to the table and help cultivate the next generation. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's a great place to be in 2016. It's great sipping mezcal at bar Institute with you, Justin. And you know, again, like just running into Tacey, in the hall yesterday at the exhibition hall and then kind of chatting. It's fortuitous and it's fateful and I'm glad you're able to sit down and chat with me. That's been a pleasure. Likewise, dude. Thank you. Well, there we have it, everybody. Another great chat this time with Justin Cardwell of BC's Kitchen, St. Louis, Missouri, presenting with Mike and Jess Santers about building a bar at the Bar Institute, the first installment of the Bar Institute here in Austin, Texas. Lush Life, of course, does a wonderful job of bringing us all together but they were so very accommodating this year and allowing me to conduct, conduct in quotes, some interviews there at the Driscoll Hotel downtown. It's great getting to talk about Brian De Palma, Laurel and Hardy, Iraq, all of these different things about life, culture, and booze with Justin. And Justin, I imagine that in the future, St. Louis will become a larger and larger media mecca with people like you at the helm. So thanks so much for chatting with me. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how long you have to wait before this cold brew coffee sets in or the kinds of things you got to do at work this week, please keep dancing.